Hey, what's up, guys? We're continuing our series. I'm sorry. We're learning a lot of humility. We're owning our crap, and we're growing together. That's what this is all about. And if we're not doing that, man, we're just wasting our time. We really want to grow. All right, that's been our desire for the whole entire year of 2022. And as we're, believe it or not, we're round, right around the corner. It's holiday, November's right around the corner, Thanksgiving's around the corner, December's around the corner, Christmas and New Year's is around the corner. And we wanna end this year with strength. We wanna end this year better than the way we started it. And so we wanna own our crap so that we can grow together. This year has about, been about personal growth. We want you to personally grow together. And so together, collectively, we're owning our stuff and we're asking asking God for, for his forgiveness. We're, we're apologizing to ourselves, we're apologizing to people, and more importantly, we're apologizing to God. So we've been continuing this series, and hopefully you've gotten a lot out of it. Uh, big props to my man Steve Ramickis for, for preaching a fantastic word on gossip last week. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. But today, I want to talk about a concept that we all struggle with. Right now in the chat, say we all struggle with, all of us. And it's this concept right here that we're going to find in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. We're going to read 11 verses, but they're all, it's, it's just chock full of some good stuff here. And it says this in verse 1. Um, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, highlight that. We're going to come back to that one. Any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy the author Paul is writing, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Man, I'm going to stop right there. I believe wholeheartedly that one of God's desires for the church is for us to be unified again. There's too much division in this world. And what would it look like if the church led the world in unity, led the world with the example of being one mind and one spirit and full of cord, being of one mind? That's what the church should be. So let's, let's work on that, folks. And he goes on in verse 3. He says, do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only of his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is the mind of Christ that we're functioning in. He says, who taught who though, watch this, who though was in the form of God, all right? So Jesus was God, did not count himself equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He poured himself out by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Come on. To be obedient to the point of death. That's the example of Jesus even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that, uh, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and, and, and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that a Pentecostal verse if I ever heard one? Come on. There is no other name above the name of Jesus. That's what we're proclaiming today. But there's a lot of stuff we need to learn today. So let's dive into it. Loud and proud, if you're, if you're in a physical space, I want you to say this out loud. And if you can't say it in the chat, say, together we are daring to experience real powerful moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled today's message, I'm sorry, I'm selfish. 
I'm sorry. I'm selfish. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series next week. And next week, we're going to talk about gratitude. So we're going to get a jump start on the whole Thanksgiving season by talking about our lack of gratitude. Um, so these kind of two messages kind of go hand in hand. So make sure you come back next week and check this out. But, but we're closing up the, this series next week. But today, I want to talk about our selfishness. I'm sorry. I'm selfish. My wife and I share literally everything. Um, if, if you know behind the scenes what happens in the life of our church, we share everything. Obviously, we share a life. She's my wife, right? We share a life. We share an occupation. We, we lead this church together. If you think for one second I'm doing all this by myself, you are sadly mistaken. There are some great people behind the scenes. So big props to, to our finance director, Brian Glaufelter, who does way more than finances, way more than paying the bills. In fact, he's, he's our video editor. In fact, he helps facilitate the business aspect. He helps co oversees the, the school here from beginnings, and so he does a lot. And my wife, she's the she's director of operations, so all logistics and administration flows through her. We share an occupation. We, we share a lot. We share a desk, y'all. We share a desk. There should be no fear of me messing around with anyone because we are attached to the hip. We share a desk, we work right across from each other, we share an occupation, we share responsibilities, we, we, we share everything. But there's one thing we do not share. We do not share dessert. Come on, can I get an amen? I'm serious, this is a serious topic in our house. We do not share dessert. And I believe there was one time Early on in our marriage, where we, we shared a dessert, I believe it was, a, it was a cheesecake, all right? Where are my cheesecake fans at? Come on, right? And, and, and knowing her, she, it was just a nice, plain, New York-style cheesecake. And we ordered one, and we let's share it, because I don't want the whole thing. You don't want the whole thing. Let's share it. And I believe that, that one of us, I'm not going to dime out the other person. The other person is not speaking right now. But one of us took a little more than their share. Ooh, just a little more than their share. And, and since that moment, we recognized that we share everything, but we cannot, we will not share dessert. Why? Because someone messed up. Someone messed up and took more, more of her share than she should have. Okay? Y'all pick up what I'm laying down here, right? She, she, we don't, why, so why, why did we, why now are we so protective over our desserts? It's because at one point of our journey, we felt that we didn't get our fair share. And because of this one moment of not getting our fair share, now we don't share at all. And we are selfish with our desserts. In fact, I'm going to dime her out again. I'm going to dive right again. If you're ever in our Sewell location, there is a, an amazing, wonderful man of God named Paul who makes these anointed chocolate chip cookies that he blessed us with a couple weeks ago for Pastor's Appreciation Week. He blessed us with it, a whole entire jar of these cookies. Can I tell you, um, I didn't get a chance to eat one cookie. You want to know why? Because risottos don't share dessert. And in shame, she ate the whole entire jar. And I can't stand her because she gets away with it. 
right? Miss, miss works out every day at 5.30 a.m. Could get away with eating an entire jar of cookies and you will never find out. I found out and I'm mad about it. So we do not share because one of us feel like we didn't get our fair share. Now we're selfish. But I don't believe, I, I don't believe, some people say that we're innately selfish. And with just a little bit of study, uh, if, you, if you do your own research, um, you will find out that even sociologists and psychologists will all come to an agreement and tell you that we're not innately selfish. We're not wired to be selfish. There was one professor of psychology at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and, 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 and they said this. They said, some evidence points to human beings being innately cooperative, okay, innately cooperative. Studies show that in the first year of a human life, infants exhibit empathy towards others in distress. Have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen uh, an infant express empathy when they see someone in pain, someone in agony? Like we're hardwired for cooperation. We're hardwired for community. That's a way we're, I know I'm not, not feel this way when we're looking at the world and seeing all the selfishness and, and, and all the greed and all this other stuff. But originally our design is to be Cooperative. In the same exact study, they've identified the fact that selfishness does, in fact, provide, sh- provide short-term advantages. It's not, it's not lying. Yes, if you're selfish, it'll provide short-term advantages. However, cooperative behavior provided long-term advantages. So even if you think, nah, I'm doing well being selfish, it's just short term. Even psychologists have identified the fact that being cooperative has way more long-term advantages and outweighs, the long-term advantages outweighs the short-term advantages of selfishness, right? Again, in that same study, they studied contemporary hunter-gatherers in South Africa, hunter-gatherer groups in South Africa, right? So they're not tainted with consumerism. They're not tainted even with, even with uh, our, their, our understanding of Western religion. And they live in the same exact way as prehistoric humans, okay? And remember, this is in Southern Africa. And the individuals in these hunter-gatherer groups, okay, in their natural state, these individuals in such groups don't accumulate their own property and possessions. They do not accumulate it. They share it. In fact, they have actually said they have a moral obligation to share everything. So without outside influences, without someone else taking more of their fair share of the cheesecake, we are designed to be cooperative. We are designed to have a moral obligation to share everything. We're designed not to accumulate our own property, not to live in fear, but to live in peace and harmony with our fellow men. That is what we're truly hardwired to do. But somewhere down the line, selfishness was birthed out of our sin. I would actually say that the enemy came and utilized selfishness to lead us into sin, right? When we were in the garden, think about this. We were supposed to be focused on, on, on the beauty and the, and, the, and the amazingness of paradise. And yet the, what the enemy said is, hey, be selfish for a second. You can be like God if you partake of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. God told them they could eat from any tree in the garden. But selfishness 
Selfishness led us to sin. Selfishness focuses on me. When we were designed for cooperation, and more importantly, we're designed to worship. Selfishness focuses on me. Worship focuses on God. In fact, I would go to the extent to say that selfishness is self-worship. And we're designed, and in fact, what we're going to do for eternity is worship God. That's ultimately our purpose isn't to have cool services. Ultimately, our purpose isn't to, to, to do anything but to worship God, to bow our knee and worship God. And worship who? Worship Jesus, who is the name above all names. Can I get amen in the chat right now? All right. That's what we're designed to do. But, but somewhere down the line, we became selfish. Why? Because we, there was this fear that we're not getting our fair share. So how do we address this? And what did Paul say about selfishness? How do we address this? Because this is, this, is, this is not cool. This is not appropriate. This is something that we need to nip in the bud. Okay, so how do we do this? So notice what Paul says. He mentions the term ambition. What does ambition mean? It's something that we don't use a lot in our vocabulary, normal day, day vocabulary. But ambition is a strong desire to do or achieve something. So he said selfish ambition, our strong desire to achieve something for ourselves. Everybody say for ourselves, For ourself. Or conceit. What is conceit? Conceit is excessive pride in oneself. Okay? Excessive pride in oneself. Come on. I'm not conceited. Right? I got a reason where my hip-hop head's at. Right? No. You're conceited and you do not have a reason to be conceited because we all have stuff and crap to own. Come on. Right? And then he says the word, he would count. Count. Or other translations say consider. To consider someone else's needs before your own. To consider means to think carefully about something, okay? Typically before making a decision. So, so basically what he's saying is this. Hey, before you do anything, consider someone else. Before you make a decision, consider, count it. Make every effort to make that decision based on others, not just yourself. Not just yourself. Why don't we do that? We don't do that because of fear. We don't do that because somewhere down the line, we feel like if we're not selfish, we're not going to get our fair share. But what would it look like if the church became the church with a capital C and we lived in community, we lived cooperating, and we shared everything with one another? The phrase that stood out to me, in Philippians is the phrase is the phrase any participation in the spirit i wholeheartedly believe that the how we're going to win this battle how we're going to win this war on selfishness is to abide by the spirit to participate in the spirit and to start bearing the fruits in the spirit what i mean by that let me break it down to just normal day language is is that when you have a relationship with god that's how you're participating in the spirit that the spirit of god lives in you and you bear good fruit right the byproduct of your relationship with jesus the byproduct of your relationship with god is that you have the spirit of god in you and then you will bear fruit what kind of fruit galatians 5:22 says this but the fruit of the spirit is love peace patience Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, not selfishness, 
self-control, against such things there is no law. So, so this week, collectives, if you don't know what collectives are, they're groups of 20-plus people that get together on a consistent basis. Some actually get together online daily, and they communicate daily. And this is where we, we dive in and we have a Bible study. Right now, we're in the Bible study of the book of Ephesians, and we're learning and growing together. And this is where you get chemistry, care, and challenge. But this, every week, they, they get together for a meetup and then discuss the sermon. So here's your anchor point for your discussion today, and it's this. You cannot be spirit-led and selfish at the same time. You cannot be spirit-led and selfish at the same time. It is not possible. I normally don't like binary thinking, but this one we're allowed to be. You cannot be selfish and spirit-led at the same time. You have to pick one, okay? The Holy Spirit is in you for you, okay? The Holy Spirit is in you for you, but he's, the Bible talks about him being on you is for others. He's in you for you. And he's on you for others. Acts 1.8 says, when the, when the Holy Spirit comes up on you, you will be my witnesses to the uttermost place of the world. Okay? So he's in you for you. And that's, he's working out your stuff. He's helping you. He's interceding for you. He's, he's, he's working through you, right? And, but he's on you for others. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is so that we could bless other people. Okay? That's, that's the byproduct. So, so let me ask you this question. What is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Or better question, how is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? I think nowadays we've gotten so um, theological. And trust me, I believe good theology. But listen to me. You can't have good theology and no compassion for your fellow man at the same time. Some people think that, oh, you know, I have good theology, but if your theology is pushing you in an area in your life where you can't stand people, that you can't love people, that you're living all for yourself and by yourself, that is not good theology. Come on, give me some amens. Give me some fire emojis right now because you got to understand that that's the truth. I've watched many people die in their studying. And listen, if your theology doesn't lead you to compassion, if it doesn't lead you to compassion, it is not the real Jesus. It is not the real Jesus. If your study of God doesn't lead to more compassion for people, you're not following the real Jesus. Why? 1 Corinthians 13 just came from a wedding this weekend and said this verse. Because love, this love of God, this love with a capital L, this love that's attached to Jesus, this is what it looks like. Love is patient and kind, love does not envy nor boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Highlight that one. Or rude. Watch this. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not selfish. It is not irritable or resentful. Love is not selfish. So I want us all to identify the ways that we are obviously selfish, but also identify the ways that we are obviously selfish even in our Christian walk, in the church, okay? I want us to identify our individual selfishness, but I also want us to identify the selfishness of the church. Yep. I want us to identify the selfishness of the church. There's a couple things that grow in your selfishness that we have to identify and understand. The first thing is that immaturity thrives in selfishness. If you, if you want to mature, I'm here to tell you that your immaturity thrives in your selfishness, right? 
Have you ever seen an immature person? I guarantee you that they're, they're also a selfish person. If you're struggling with someone who's struggling with maturity, I promise you, we could have a testimony time right now. I promise you that they're also very selfish because immaturity thrives in selfishness. The other thing is that ignorance thrives in selfishness. Ignorance thrives in selfishness. When we're interested in just protecting ourselves. Many of you know that we're a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance and we just had our, our district conference. We're part of the Metro District, which basically covers uh, uh, New York, a part of New York, New Jersey, and, and the Philadelphia area, and that's our whole district. And we have over 100 churches that are represented uh, in, in our district for the Christian and Missionary Alliance. We just had our district conference on Monday and Tuesday, and I ran into um, a professor in, in, in NIAC, uh, ATS, which is Alliance Theological Seminary, and he said something that I'll never forget. Um, well, it's a powerful phrase, um, and we're talking about how Christians don't know how to be fun. We might know how to have fun, but we, we don't know how to be fun. Um, and he said somewhere down the line, we just kept, we, we started protecting the gospel rather than proclaiming the gospel. I'll never forget that phrase because it shook me to my bones. And I'm like, man, you are right. We got selfish and we started protecting the gospel more than proclaiming the gospel. If we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is one of the strongest forces on this planet, why are we protecting it? We're not really protecting it. We're protecting ourselves. We're protecting our comforts. We're protecting our preferences rather than proclaiming the gospel and living on mission to reach people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. We got selfish and in turn because of our selfishness we're ignorant we're ignorant on the topic of reaching the world around us because ignorance thrives in selfishness impotence thrives in selfishness we aren't able to reproduce the good stuff the fruits of the spirit in the communities in our families and everyone around us when we're selfish Selfish people struggle in communication because they don't want to see what the other person is saying. They just want to be heard. So we become impotent. We become devoid of power because of our selfishness. We're incapable of reproducing ourselves because of selfishness. And that is not what we're designed to do. When we talk about something called the Great Commission in Matthew 28, is when Jesus left the disciples, he left them with this great statement that we read in Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Even in your doubt, God still wants to use you. Can I say that again? Even in your doubt, God still wants to use you. And Jesus came and he spoke to them. He said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What is a disciple? A disciple is a true follower of Jesus. And you're not a disciple unless you're making disciples. Okay? But he says make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the very end of age. The great commission, co-mission, all right? Co-mission, we're on a co-mission with Jesus. He said he will be with us because when we're on mission. Stop real quick. I think some of us, the reason that you've plateaued or declined in your spiritual walk is because somewhere down the line, Christianity has become a selfish thing for you. And I'm telling you that it's your, your spiritual development is connected to you, you being on mission with Jesus. Most people who aren't growing, it's because you're not on mission with Jesus. You stop loving people like Jesus loved people, and you started just protecting yourself and sliding into a selfish life, sliding into a selfish faith. It happens to all of us, all right? There's no condemnation or no shame. It happens to all of us. But I guarantee you that if you want to bust through, if you feel like you're settling, if you feel like you're just surviving in your spiritual walk, jump back into being on mission with Jesus. Let's fail together. Let's make mistakes together. But let's do it for the sake of making disciples of all nations, all colors, all different types of people. Go back on mission. And I guarantee you, you will bust through that plateaued nature that you have in your spiritual walk. By being on mission with Jesus. Why? Here's my three points and we'll, we'll close up today. I hope you're getting something out of this. Because I believe, number one, you cannot be selfish. You cannot be selfish and be used by God. You cannot be selfish and be used by God. Discipleship. Again, that's us making, us being a follower of Jesus and helping other people follow Jesus. Discipleship. Devoid of multiplication. You cannot be a disciple if you're not making a disciple. I'm done lying to ourselves, church. I really am. I'm done lying to ourselves. I'm a, you know, is your church, is your church about evangelism or is it about discipleship? Stupid. Both. They go hand in hand. All right? Discipleship, devoid of multiplication, is just self-help. Discipleship, devoid of multiplication, is just self-help. A lot of people we accuse now, you know, churches that are relevant. Oh, that's just a self-help church. That's a self No, no, no. No, we're not a self. We're interested in multiplying the works of Jesus. Whatever Jesus did in my life, I want to see it happen in someone else's life. God took this bald-headed ex-drug dealer, angry, bitter, fatherless kid, and he turned him into something that's decent. All right, I'm not going to boast. I'm going to boast on what Jesus did. I'm going to decent that's proclaiming the gospel and, and trying to make leaders out of leaders and trying to see the kingdom of God advance. That's what God did. And I want to see that happen in other people, minus the baldness. I want to see God do that in other people. So discipleship, the void of multiplication, is just self-help. We've forgotten that the church doesn't just exist for us. Hello, listen to me. The church doesn't just exist for us. It exists for them. But selfishness has blinded us. We exist for others. And religious programming and biblical living are two completely different things. Can I say that again? Religious programming and actual biblical living are two completely different things. We're told that, no, you, you, you have to, you know, you have to have 
Bible studies that look like this. And you have to have men's and women's ministry that look like this. Youth ministry that look like this. That is religious programming. There's a difference between religious programming and biblical living. I'm not demonizing those things. Those things aren't bad within itself. But if we're only living on religious programming and forgetting about biblical living, we're selfish. We're selfish and we're just existing for ourselves. Let's be married to the mission, not the method. It is not the great co-method. It is the great co-mission. Let us be married to the method. Let us not be married to the method. Let us be married to the mission of Jesus. But instead, we, well, that, you know, we love to judge, oh, well, that's not church. That's not church. You know, you, you don't have a, a, a Christmas cantata. That's not church. Do you have candles? Do you have crosses? That's not church. I've seen churches with crosses. I've seen churches with candles. And those same churches, I've seen them without Christ. I've seen them without Christ. So who cares if you have a cross if Christ isn't in our church? If we're just selfish with how we light things. It's religious programming. That doesn't mean we're living biblically. And it's impossible. You cannot be selfish and be used by God at the same time. Number two, you cannot be selfish and embrace a culture of help. You cannot be selfish and embrace a culture of help. Helping others, but also, I've watched selfish people not ask for help. You're so selfish that you're trying to protect your reputation. You're so prideful. We're so arrogant. And, 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 I, and I will humbly put myself in that category. Sometimes I don't ask for help because I'm being selfish. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that stupid? You can say stupid because I'm calling myself stupid. Isn't that stupid that we don't ask for help because we're so darn selfish? We're so conceited. I can't let anyone else know that I need help. So we can't get help and we can't even give help. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says this. Paul's talking to this Corinthian church. And this Corinthian church is, is, is a very influential church. And this is the advice he gives them in verse 24. He says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. And doesn't that echo what he also said back in Philippians when he says, let, in verse 4, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Not your own good, but the good of your neighbor so selfish that we don't even know we don't even know what type of help does my neighbor need right now do you know that can you answer that right now do you know what your neighbor needs that co-worker that's always bitter and angry do you know what they need do you know what they're going through the one that you can't stand they're not they weren't born mean something made them that way do you know your neighbor's needs? Stop. Do you know your neighbor's needs? Some of us don't even know our spouse's needs. Some of us don't even know our kids' needs. And the first neighbor you have is your family. And we don't even know their needs because we, we're so fixated on ourselves. Fixated on ourselves. Pastor Mike, 
I hear what you're saying. But isn't, isn't there wisdom? Isn't there maturity in self-care? Because now you're making me feel guilty about my, my self-care. Well, let me help you out biblically here. Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, Jesus was cornered by some teachers of the law, and, and, and they asked him, they said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second, that, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He summarized them all here. Boom. This is what it's all about. Loving God and love your neighbor as yourself. Let me define selfishness as this. Selfishness is when there is no consideration for others. Okay? No, and, and, and here's what I would actually say. Most of the time, other than God... You're the only one that can truly assess your selfishness. In order to assess your selfishness, you first have to be self-aware. You have to be willing to be self-aware, okay? Because some of us, your self-care very well could be selfish, okay? Let me put it out there. Sometimes what we declare is self-care could be selfish, but not all self-care is selfish. Write this down. This is important. Self-care isn't selfish if the motivation is to be selfless. Let me say that again. Self-care isn't selfish if the motivation is to be selfless. Okay? So self-care is like, if it's me, like, listen, I'm creating boundaries. I'm turning my phone. I'm putting my phone on personal mode after 9 o'clock. Not because I don't like people. Not because I don't want to serve people. It's because I need to shut my mind off so I could be fresh tomorrow so I could serve people tomorrow better than I did today. Okay? That is boundaries. And that is self-care. And that's not selfish. Okay? Me saying, hey, listen, I have to exercise. And I have to turn my phone. And I have to listen to a podcast. And I have to kind of zone out a little bit and take a break from people. That self-care isn't selfish because the motivation is for me to be fueled to be selfless for others, all right? The best version of myself is found in self-care, but let's be honest, okay? We could have the appearance of self-care, but underneath still be selfish, and only you can assess that. Y'all getting me? So don't let anybody accuse you of being selfish if you're creating boundaries for yourself and you're, you're working out, you're doing, you're taking care of yourself. Taking care of yourself with the motivation of others is being selfless. I want to empower that and I want to encourage that. What I want to discourage is when we use the excuse of self-care to be selfish. Y'all pick up what I'm laying down here. This is good. Okay. That's what I'm going to discourage. If you're using the excuse of self-care just to be selfish... The motivation is in others, right? Selfishness is when there's no consideration for others, all right? Number three, last one, you cannot be selfish and have growth. Like some of you think, oh, man, I really advanced in my career because I was selfish. That might be short-term advantages. However, true growth, spiritual growth, if as a Christian, as a believer of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, we should be marked by sacrifice. And we should grow in the area of sacrifice. Okay? If we're being selfish with our time, 
Selfish with our money. Yep, I said it. Selfish with our money. Selfish with our abilities. You know, some people, let's call it what it is, and, and, and I love you. I love you, okay? Some of us, we're, we're selfish with our abilities. You, you are, some people are gifted, you know, in, in, in teaching kids. You're gifted in this area, but you're like, oh, I, I do that for a living. I can't do that for church. Again, if that's self-care, more power to you. But if that's selfish, yo, let's check our hearts on that. Because are we missing out on imparting the word of God, the truth of Jesus, the freedom of Christ in the next generation? Just because we don't want to put in the time that God has already equipped us in that area. Come on, right? There's no growth. You can't be selfish and also have growth, right? Selfishness protects oneself. Love produces in others. Selfishness is conditional. Love is unconditional. Selfishness looks for loopholes, all right? Are you a loophole Larry? We have Critical Carl, Negative Nancy, and then we have loophole Larry. Loophole Larry <laughs> always finds the loophole in something. We, we, they, they, they fudge the system to benefit yourself. But again, a true disciple is marked by sacrifice. Selfishness look for loopholes where love sticks to the mission. Love sticks to the covenant of, uh, of Jesus and the, and the commitment to see more and more people come to know and follow him. But are you looking for the loophole? Ah, you know, can't talk about faith at work. You know, so I, I can't do it. Or uh, now, nowadays it's not politically correct to invite people to church. Um, you're, you're looking for the loophole. You're the person that you do just enough to get by. But if you're marked by sacrifice, those type of people have an internal desire to go the extra mile for their fellow man, for God, to love God, and love your neighbor as yourself. To love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot be a big person with a small heart. And that's what we think, we think we're gonna, we, we could accomplish that. You cannot be a big person, you can't grow. You can't be a big person with a small heart. You can't be a big person with a selfish heart. So I, I, I wonder, is that really, what, let's put it out there. Is that what we're trying to do? We're trying to be big? With small hearts, that doesn't impress God. In fact, <laughs> Paul's closing phrase in what we read today was, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are we giving God glory in our lives? Are we calling him Lord if we're being selfish? Because if he is Lord, if he is Lord, then we need to dethrone ourselves. If he is king, then we need to dethrone ourselves. And that's what selfishness is. Selfishness puts you, puts you in, in the throne, on the throne. Puts you, you're the head that wears the crown when we're being selfish. And for him to be Lord, we must dethrone ourselves in our lives. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about us. It's about him. It's about him leading us and growing us so that we could jump on the timeline of eternity 
and worship him forever. That's what it's all about. So let me um, pray today, and I'm believing that um, we're going to see God do more things the way he designed us. That's in community to be cooperative and to share all the blessings he's given us with each other. Pray with me. Say, Lord, forgive me for not being about you and not being about others. Help me dethrone myself. Help me share all good things with those around me. I do not want to be selfish anymore. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.